and welcome to Risk Chats with a Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're talking to George Fallon, Wayne Liu, and Brendan Bowers from RMA. They wrote an article in the firm newsletter about some of the risks associated with robotic process automation. And we'll also talk about some opportunities. So I think you all will enjoy this one. So let's sit back and talk about some risks. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Okay, so we are very happy today to have three folks with us here from uh, RMA that are going to talk about some risks related to RPA. So obviously, uh, robotics automation is still a very hot topic and uh, something that ERM programs should be aware of and thinking about. And uh, of course, we won't just talk about risk; we'll talk about opportunity. That's you know the way you should do it. But um, but let's jump into it here. Let me uh, have everybody introduce themselves. So why don't we start off with uh, George? Hi, I'm George Fallon. I'm with RMA Associates. You know, I'm excited about you know RPAs. I think it's the beginning of or the beginning of a revolution of using data. I think this is just the first baby step, and I think it will expand the next few years, and I think it's an exciting field. Great. And uh, how about Wayne? Please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. This is Wayne Liu from Army Associates. Um, so same as George, I think RPA is a, a definitely an initiative for everybody to take on, especially for the agents to take on, to kind of enhance the environment, to uh, increase efficiency. So I think that will be a very interesting topic. Awesome. And then Brendan. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, this is Brendan Bowers, and uh, kind of to echo what George and Wayne said, um, yeah, this is this is an exciting topic. Um, we, you know, seeing how far RPA is, has come in the last two to three years, I think is really just kind of a, a preclude to to what's to come with with the growth within RPA. So um, that's exciting for for really all levels of business. So um, very excited about this topic. Okay, well, welcome everybody. So, why don't we start with George? Um, we're going to talk about a few risk areas, and uh, here's kind of the first one. You know, what what are your thoughts on the risks associated with governance of an RPA program? Yeah, give us some insight on that. Yes, what I, I want to start out really defining what an RPA is to make sure everybody's on the same page. Essentially. The robotics processing automation is, you know, computer-coded software that automates manual activities and a repeated, you know, rule-based task. Um, and also, you know, it brings, you know, efficiency and reduces errors, you know, mundane, tedious tasks that works done manually by humans. You know, it can be such that you can develop an RPA to transfer files or folders, uh, log into applications, uh, connect systems to uh, applications, uh, program interface, you know, copy and pasting, uh, pull out process structure or semi-structured data from PDFs, emails, and forms. Uh, it can read and write databases. <clears throat> it can scrap data from web, um, and it can open emails, messages, and attachments. So I just want to give an overall concept of what an RPA can do. So it's a very somewhat unstructured uh, development uh, of manipulating data. Um, 
there are two types of models that you can do in governance for RPAs. There's a centralized model and a decentralized model. Um, and I just also want to state that before you start any governance, you always going to, or any um, RPA project, you want to have a pilot program and you want to develop a model. That's the first step. But, you know, you could have a, a decentralized model or a centralized model. Under the decentralized model, typically there's a lack of guidance and helping support that you're doing it in a small agencies or in a silo. And there may be, you know, pressure to produce something quickly. That's why you do a pilot. Uh, it, you're, as you develop in a decentralized model, you know, short-term go term. I'm sorry, <clears throat> short-term goals take precedence over long-term strategies. Essentially, you're trying to find a tailor-made, you know, solutions to your local problem, and it may not be standardized. So therefore, you may not be able to replicate it across your organization. So in terms of your whole organization, it may be inefficient. Um, you, know, you have to, when you develop a decentralized model, you have to think how it's going to integrate in the overall strategy of your organization. Um, RPA may seem quick because the task that it's performing may seem simple and mundane, but you have to realize that sometimes it's not that straightforward. And you remember the 80-20 rule that it will take care of 80% of you know, your information, but you may have 20% outlanders that it may be hard to automate. So you gotta remember that. Um, if the decentralized model, you're, you know, you're depending upon the talent and skill of the people in your agency rather than in a larger pool. So you're constrained to that. Um, and you're also in a decentralized model. Your prioritization, assessment, and development is only to your agency. And again, it may not uh, correspond to the strategies and of the overall organization. And essentially, if a decentralized model, by the nature of being decentralized, there's no central control, no monitor, no way to, to measure it in, the, in terms of the entity. Um, and it may be hard to develop because of lack of skills you're, you are, uh, depending upon the skills you have in your agency. Now, depending upon, now if in fact the other model, which is a centralized model, uh, you can have a pool of resources and also you can have more governance that way. You can develop standards, how you're gonna code things. You can also set up priorities of what projects are important to the agency. Um, and making sure all projects are properly, you know, developed, uh, tested, and implemented. So there's more control and more standardization, and therefore it's more likely scalable in your organization. Uh, but it could be more restrictive. I mean, an agency may have particularly unique uh, requirements, and if you standardize something, those requirements may not be met. So you have to also, uh, in the centralized model, uh, make sure that it's, you know, standardized as such as benefit the agencies, but you also have to recognize in certain parts of your organization, you may have to be unique to uh, fill the goals of that particular uh, task in that smaller organization. Uh, a centralized model can bring more support. If you need experts, 
coming in because you have a particular difficult task to do, you have more support and more eyes at it and more expertise. Um, and again, in a centralized model, you can measure the accomplishments of the overall program to make sure the organization as a whole is making its goals. So that's just a, a summary of the two models. Uh, and also, uh, finally, remember, one size doesn't fit all. That even though if you have a centralized model, you have to realize, again, the uniqueness of each task that may have to be tinkered with. Um, and that's, um, that's what we have about the, the model, centralized or decentralized model. Yeah, George, I definitely agree. I know, you know, we do a lot of RPA as well and the whole governance thing, the center of excellence, federated, centralized, you know, it all causes a lot of confusion and I could definitely see some really big risks if you don't figure this out and, you know, just get it straightened out up front. And then also the RPA automations themselves can be pretty delicate, you know, require a lot of upkeep. And I don't know that folks are always realize that that in itself is a little bit risky. So, you know, there's definitely benefits over risks on these things but you know, i think that's a great uh, a great point you're making about governance correct i just want to you know emphasize what you said there that it does require a discipline uh process of you know developing uh modeling testing and implementation in each of those stages has to be approved reviewed and so that it is it, even though it may not seem like a discipline process uh, because RPAs are doing really different types of automation, you still need a discipline process to implement it and, and to make sure that uh, without a discipline process, you got chaos. Absolutely. Well, let's go to Wayne here. Uh, now it's your turn to jump in here into the fray. Um, so I think we'd like to talk to you about some RPA risks related to security and privacy. That's that's something that often comes up, you know, what's this bot going to be doing? What's it going to be seeing? So, uh, yeah, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, your thoughts on that? Absolutely, Paul. So I think from my perspective, I'm always standing from my, my client's perspective to see what's their concerns because your, your client's concern is your number one concern, right? And that's how you're going to uh, move forward with your client to make sure uh, you're handling things properly or, you know, way that you're supposed to handle it. So I think from RPA perspective, majority of the concerns are from uh, you know from system owners, from DBAs, because you're acting the the core data. It could be financial data, could be PII, could be any data that there. It's very sensitive. So there was always concern with how from you know from a system owner, a DBA perspective, how you handle my data, right? So a couple of things that, that kind of jump on my mind right away is, for example, the first one is data leakage. Uh, the most of the time, your client were thinking, okay, how you handle how you're going to handle my data. Are you gonna uh, share with somewhere else? What kind of environment you're gonna sit in? Um, and how how you're gonna develop the RPA in what kind of you use what kind of tools or what kind of environments? So I think a lot of concerns are over there. So if you didn't use if you didn't handle the, the data properly, uh, for example, if you, some if you have some developers able to um, process data to develop the RPA, but somehow uh, they ship to they send the piece of data to the wrong machine or to the wrong environment. That that could cause potential data leakage, right? I think that's what your client most concerning. How you can handle that? So from that perspective, I think um, most of the time you need to create like RP credentials uh, or kind of set up a framework to say who's able to access environment, who's able to access source data. So I think that's number one uh, risk. 
in my mind that uh, the, whoever developing RPA should be considering. And also, I think that's the, also the client's number one concern if there's any deep data leakage over there. A uh, couple other things, uh, disconnection. Uh, so as we know, RPA is kind of connected from system A to system B, or interface from system A to, to system B. So if the, the connection uh, or, the, or, the, or the designation of the, of the source data is broke, for example, you could change the IP address, you change the server, then RP, the RP is not going to function anymore, right? So uh, that'll be a, a concern over there. How you going to make sure uh, the connection is, um, is established strong to process the RPA as you, uh, you know, as you planned. So um, you know, a couple of things you could potential to avoid the risk is to, uh, for example, periodically validate the connection of the RPA, uh, make sure each bus are restrictly needs to con conduct a final test, not going to do you know, multiple different kind of tests. Uh, so yeah, so periodically validate the connection of RPA. I think that'll be very critical to uh, to remediate the potential disconnection risk. Uh, other things kind of like to impact the data leakage from a user perspective, um, you know, you um, you know, proxy access to uh, to the source data, right? Most of the time, uh, somebody you may gonna see some someone stepping says, hey, I need access to uh, to your uh, to your production environment uh, with full access. Sometimes people do ask that, but no, you don't have to do uh, to give them the full access. You can just give them read-only access, right? Because all they need to do is read data. They, they shouldn't modify data, right? So I think that's the things you need to, uh, from a client perspective, you need to kind of consider, and also from our perspective as well, because we don't want to break the production environment. We don't want to mess up the client's environment. Uh, so that's a couple of things uh, from developing RPA perspective you need to concern that only grant uh, read-only access uh, rather than just um, giving the full access. Or in some situations, I have uh, one of my clients was really concerning um, giving the access to the production environment, even just read only. Uh, so one of the solution uh, was kind of provided was to wrestle the database to a virtual environment. Uh, I think uh, maybe I should mention the name of the, the chill, for example, Delphix. You can um, replicate the data to a Delphix or then you can add the data to the Delphix. Then that will, that will kind of give you a, a second layer of security that you're not going to break the production environment. Right? So I think there's a couple of things you need to uh, consider. Uh, other thing you can think of is the lack of security um, governance, kind of like, like George mentioned. Uh, lots of, some of the clients may think, okay, we're going to deal with the governance later on once we have the RPA established. But it's not the case. Right, you have to. I think the, the the governance should be established at the beginning rather than later of the <clears throat> of the later of RPA development. So you will know what kind of uh, what kind of data you need to protect. You need to protect. You need to uh, to uh, mitigate the risk. Uh, so uh, uh, the governance should be the security governance portion should be start from the beginning rather than from the later. Um, a couple other things uh, regarding privacy. I think. Uh, so to to uh, to kind of prevent the privacy um, concerns, uh, a couple of things you could do also is kind of like perform a compliance assessment for the data usage. Make sure uh, when you're using the data, you're properly using data. You don't see any crazy uh, you know flow chart to say okay someone access data uh, like nine, uh, like eight o'clock sorry like two o'clock in the morning. Okay, what's going on over there? So you may have some concerns. So you really make sure you kind of do the compliance assessment for data usage, um, and also do the co-assessment and the validation to make sure um, 
to make sure the connection is right, the, the, the source code is correct, the, the, your layout, the process is correct. And also, I think the other thing is really in privacy, you need to make sure that when, wherever you transfer data uh, is to and how you encrypted the data during the transfer. So that's other thing to uh, to prevent uh, the the, uh, the the risk from the privacy privacy perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, just some thoughts here. I mean, I, one thing I uh, was a really great point was about the production environment. You know, one thing we've seen is that this is kind of low code, a low code application, and it's actually kind of hard to develop in a development environment because a lot of the applications and full functionality are not really in the in the development environment. So sometimes you have to do things in production and it can be a little, you know, a little scary as far as the the normal development process. So I think, yeah, you have a very good point on the production side. Um, and then the other thing too, with the PII, uh, you know, if these are attended bots, I mean, they, they write on the user's credentials and if that person has access to that PII and you design it properly, then hopefully there should be no concern, you know, with an, with an attended, unattended bot. Again, I think it's just super critical to have your design very much laid out, you know, all the touch points, all the types of data, all the, you know, very well laid out and documented so that, you know, your ISSO or whoever can kind of sign off on it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, definitely totally agree with you. I think there are a lot of things we can um, establish before we even start the RPA, which will prevent a lot of potential concerns later on. Exactly. So uh, I think the next topic, and I think, Wayne, you're back on board here, but, um, you know, so another risk is that maybe we're we're not really using the right solution here. You know, we're maybe trying to apply RPA to everything, and maybe the process is not bottable, as they say. It can't be really the bot's not the best solution. So, yeah, why don't you give us some of your thoughts on that? Absolutely, Paul. So I think a lot of people, when you want to talk about RPA, it's, it's a to, to, I think to a lot of customers feel like, okay, it's a, uh, we have to do RPA because it's a, it's so, so popular right now. As you heard a lot, everything kind of RPA automation, that's one thing you need to do. But I mean, the RPA definitely, they have their uh, advantage over there. Uh, for example, it's a, you know, it's a fast way to implement. You can customize uh, in multiple different ways and uh, also improve the business process uh, or efficiency. Dramatically, and you can see the results very quickly. Maybe in a month or two, or three months or four months, depends on how complete RPA might be. So there's a lot of um, benefits if you do RPA. So I think maybe that's why RPA is so uh, popular. Uh, but I think to kind of step back from um, uh, um, from agency or a customer perspective, you need to know is that truly what you want, right? Because besides RPA, there are a couple other things. For example, or you could do um, IT transformation, right? It's to kind of rebuild the system structure. Uh, you modernize the infrastructure, or increase efficiency, resiliency, and agility. Uh, it's all true, but um, you need to know if that's what you really want, right? Because for IT transformation, there's um, a, a lot of efforts involved. It takes more time. Uh, it takes uh, it change the, uh, even the company culture in some way, and the process, definitely, right? So I think uh, the IT transformation uh, uh, could definitely help you to get to that stage. Um, so that's one other way, you, uh, that besides RPA, that's IT transformation is the other thing you could consider. 
Um, other than that, I think there's also a, uh, there's some process also things, right? I think it happens a lot for uh, more like commercial commercial words. For example, uh, you see recent, uh, in the past couple of years, lots of resources were shipped to offshore um, because their labor is cheaper. Uh, you do, but they do have the skill sets over there. Uh, so which should save companies a lot, a lot of um, money uh, to perform that way to uh, delegate to kind of uh, contract all those resources to to offshore resources into offshore. Uh, so that's one way to do it. But for for government, I, I don't know. Uh, it's really because you cannot ship everything to the overseas. So everything's still maintained in the U.S. Um, you could find some other companies perform jobs, but uh, that that could be a, a one of the solution if you don't want you know deal with RPA. You want to kind of hands off a little bit <clears throat> to make sure uh, to have somewhere else kind of do a dirty work. Let's put it that way. Uh, so there's there, that could be also other potential solution over there to kind of um, you know all sorts of different process. Uh, so that's number two. I'm actually thinking of this. A third one. I'm, I'm, I think we could uh, potentially the agency could potentially consider is the uh, consider as the uh, business process management or, or workflow process. So basically, you um, kind of like integrate enterprise applications, like tons or hundred, like probably twenty or thirty different applications. You kind of like uh, integrate all the applications into more like a straight through process, right? Uh, so uh, it could achieve the similar um, solution as IT transformation, uh, and but to be more quickly because IT transformation you need to change everything, right? But uh, for business process management or workflow process. You don't have to change majority of them. Um, could be some of them, but you can uh, do enterprise uh, or to integrate all applications. So the benefits over there is uh, more quickly. Uh, it's um, also limited resources you're you're working on, uh, but at the same time you need to consider uh, the the patient that you're having right now because not not all applications could be integrated within in that in a business process. So I think so. By saying that, I think a lot of time you need to consider what is the agency or the company truly wanted, right? If you wanted to uh, kind of like a layback, uh, they could do business process outsourcing. If you want to just kind of integrate all the applications into one single umbrella, they could do the business process workflow. Workflow uh, that could be one solution. Or if they want to change the entire thing, entire IT infrastructure, they could do a transformation. Or if you back to the RPA. Uh, to develop uh, the, the the automation process to special for uh, if you're associating with legacy systems, you can do that too. So I think RPA is not it's definitely not the only solution. There's a couple definitely a couple other solutions out there. It just needs to understand what you truly want um, from you know from a resource perspective, from the uh, cost benefit perspective, uh, also from the could be from the cultural perspective as well. Right. Totally agree. Yeah. That's why we do those feasibility analyses before we even start anything. You know, is this something that should be a bot? Would it even work as a bot or should it even be a bot? So no, I think you had some great points there. So we have a couple more questions and we're going to give, uh, George the next one and Brendan's going to wrap us up. But, uh, so, uh, so George, why don't we talk here a little bit about one more risk? And again, this is one that comes up frequently, you know, is there a risk to the workforce, you know, from the bots kind of taking over, or, you know, maybe there's opportunities here. What, what do you think, uh, George? Well, I think there's certainly both. There's opportunities and then things you have to watch out for. Certainly, you're going to need more skilled employees and different skill sets. But you have to also realize 
that you may be replacing uh, people in your organization that are doing these tasks that the bots take over. What are you going to do with that? How is that going to affect the culture in your organization? Uh, These people that you may be replacing have institutional knowledge. What are you going to do about that? So, you know, in the one sense, you need new skills, but you have to also realize that you're changing your workforce and how you're going to do that. And so that's an important uh, part of it. Now, bots are usually, you know, help. They they started in the financial, and most of them have financial implications. So all of a sudden now, you your the engineering skills are needed to employ bots or software engineering skills, and the financial accountants are going to be closer together. Somehow that you know. The automation is closer to the actual, you know, transactions lower in your organization. So you're going to have the the accountants going to have to talk a little bit in the software language, and there's going to have to be understanding of both camps: the detail automation camp and the financial accountant camps. Um, data, um, you know, somebody has to realize or focus on data quality. Since we're automating all these tedious tasks, data quality becomes very important because you know uh, bots can do things very very quickly. But again, if they make a mistake, they don't take one mistake; they do a thousand, depending upon how many transactions are affected. So, understanding your data quality is very important, and that's a kind of a different skill for a typical accountant. You also have to understand have people understand data structures. Each system, the data structure may be different. Um, and one system will say they may, you know, account number can maybe four digits, and another system it's five digits because three don't count or they don't use. So you have to look at the data structures and how each system uses the data to determine that. And it, it may not be able to interpret, you know, data from one system to the other, or it may take more time and effort than you originally thought. You also have to have somebody to be able to learn more tools, technical tools. You know, for example, you know, everybody knows Excel, but Excel, you may need a little bit more higher level people using Excel. You may have to learn SQL, Python, Looker, you know, um, Tableau. There may be other tools out there that you have to learn. And you may have to learn not one, but several of these tools. And these tools may develop, and you have to keep up on the uh, the features and you know, capability of these tools. You know, the skills that you're looking for. Well, you need, you know, basic, you know, script uh, coding skills that wasn't there before. Some type of data analysis tool. And it also helps if you have data visualization, because when you do a, uh, you know, the workforce has to convince management that this is the way to go and what they're proposing is working. So there's going to have to be somewhat of a, if you will, you know, storytelling process in this to convince uh, your that your vision will work in that environment. Um, you also, in this employees, it's going to, it's, again, it has to be a di- very disciplined approach. So they're going to have to be skilled in, you know, bringing up projects, you know, looking, develop a pipeline of projects because you're not going to do one RPA. You're going to, you know, do a lot of them. And some, you're going to have to have somebody there to determine the priority, the benefit, 
and some type of structure and, and the skills to determine that and how much effort to measure it, it through. And that, you know, so there's going to be project management skills associated with bots or going, you need people with those type of skills. Um, so that's kind of the, the skill matrix that you have. So you're going to have to be more technical people that are closer to the actual uh, transaction activity than you, than you had before. And you also have to remember that this uh, revolution of RPAs are going to increase and the ability is going to increase over time. So the people that you need are going to have to constantly change their skills and knowledge and you can't be set in your ways, so to speak, because this is just the beginning of automating all most of your data structures. Totally agree. And, uh, you know, but I think a lot of folks that is, you know, the, the folks coming out of the universities, you know, they really are interested in data science and a lot of these things, you know, and they still may have that accounting or IT, uh, you know, audit or audit sort of interest. So you really have to do both, you know, get really smart on the accounting and the finance and the budget. But, you know, have a have a knack for interest for analytics as well, because, you know, the bots and the AI are pretty much going to take care of that. So, um, no, that was great. So I have one. Oh, go ahead, George. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and you can't forget the institutional knowledge uh, of an organization is also very important in this process. So, yes, you need new skills, but you also have to maintain, you know, the institutional knowledge in your organization because uh, the better understanding of your current processes, the more successful you'll be. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Brendan, I know you've been waiting, so we can't wait to hear what you got to say about our last topic. Um, so we've been talking about the doom and gloom, the risks, but now we're going to talk about some opportunities. So, uh, Brendan, take it away. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, Paul. George and Wayne really uh, loaded the bases for me to, for the opportunities uh, section, so I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so the opportunities, um, you know, there really are many, and there's more that could be kind of thought about or discovered every day. Um, but they all, the, the ones that I kind of focused on when, when I think about um, the opportunities, and they all kind of blend together, it really begins with the control aspect. Um, you know, opportunity, RPAs, you know, the opportunity to, um, you know, to implement the controls to manage the RPAs really brings a level of efficiency to your organization, um, which really is the key component to, you know, managing uh, your business effectively. So, um, you know, controls are, you know, layered throughout every organization, but RPA really gives you the opportunity to kind of structure your controls in a way to maximize efficiency. Um, and, and one topic which I think RPA brings opportunity is, and I think Wayne talked about it, was around PII and the management of PII. So, um, you know, when bots are, you know, as long as the RPA is uh, implemented, um, you know, effectively and efficiently, uh, you know, the bots handling the PII, it really takes some of the risk out of any sort of mishandling. So, um, you know, that's, that's a control that really RPAs can, can certainly bring opportunity and, and help an organization. Um, other, other areas where there's opportunities is costs. Um, and this, you know, kind of touches into a little bit around what George talked about uh, for um, 
workforce. Um, but you know, with budget constraints and inflated budgets, um, you know, RPA can assist in improving costs by you know effectively implementing you know the RPA to to do some of the mundane tasks and and to really um, you know the the repetitive tasks. And so you know, costs can certainly be improved. So that's that's a big opportunity for any agency looking to to implement. Um, another area. Um, that you know for opportunity is is really keeping up in a data-driven world right so um by implementing your rpa you know there's an opportunity to to kind of keep pace so to speak with with some of the private sectors and and really um you know kind of allowing rpa to to implement throughout an organization you know that automation is first mindset so, um, you know, proper usage of, of RPA, um, you know, really can enable an agency to, to reach their full potential um, and, and, and really just kind of keep pace in, in, in you know, te the technology and data-driven world, which, which, you know, is, is changing by the, by the hour. Um, and then one of the last areas of opportunity that I, that I kind of thinking about and was speed um you know everyone when they think of you know work within the government you know speed and uh you know fluid processes isn't always you know doesn't always come top of mind so to speak so um you know rpa and, and proper implementation um can really you know provide uh the public you know um a, a greater confidence in you know in the government's ability to to handle um, data and 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 really uh, provide you know um, a level of speed to to how processes work within the government to to really um, keep pace with innovation and um, and and really just you know kind of add that level and um, uh, and and also along with speed is is to achieve in innovation so. Um, you know, public sectors and, and agencies throughout the government. You know, the the goal of profit is 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 not is not an incentive. Um, so, you know, by implementing RPAs, uh, you know, you know, in tandem with existing systems and processes, um, you know, they could make you know government processes less rigid and become more flexible. So. Um, Really, those are just some of the the, the key areas that, that I kind of think about with opportunities. But you know, as as we you know think more deeply about it, I mean, they're, they're kind of endless the opportunities for RPA as long as the you know the governance is there and 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 the security and, and some of the other uh, areas which we the doom and gloom so to speak that we talked about. Totally agree, and. Uh... So I think we have to wrap it up there. And I forgot to mention, you know, they're actually uh, the source of this discussion today. There was a uh, article in the Affirm newsletter. So I encourage you all to go back and read that. And uh, again, so I just want to thank everybody, Wayne, George, Brendan, thank you for being on the podcast today. And uh, we appreciate your insights on risk around RPA. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. 
Firm.org is where you go to learn more about the organization, to find some more podcasts. And as usual, if you have some ideas, if you want to hear some guests on here, let us know. And until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Risk Chats with a Firm. Thank you.